0: But for the first time in the list, sixty-four percent of all people I talk—these are CEOs, high-level executives, leading entrepreneurs, business owners—sixty-four percent of all people mentioned political uncertainty, climate of the discourse in the united states today
1: episode 179 the 10 biggest challenges facing every business in 2019 you're
0: listening to the
1: game changers with jason jennings leadership lessons in speed productivity growth innovation and reinvention now here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker jason jennings and your host dale dixon with close to 1.4 million listens and downloads growing every week, this is The Game Changers with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today best-selling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, and reinvention. It's the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. Jason Jennings, great to be with you
0: today. Uh, Dale, it's great to be back with you. Uh, we should say we're now ranking in China.
1: I was going to, yeah, you just uh, mentioned that yeah. in passing. and I was going to say, this is the global that,
0: That's exactly right. So I'll have some more information on the next podcast. But yes, we are ranking in China, which I, uh, which I think is really cool, because I love China. I've spent a lot of time there, and uh, it, it kind of delights me.
1: So last time we spoke, you let us all know you were on your way to Mexico yes. uh, for a speech. And before we dive into the topic of the 10 biggest challenges facing businesses in 2019... Give us an update on the trip. You had to have learned something, saw something interesting.
0: Uh, I did. Uh, so uh, uh, the speech was in Mexico City. I, I had not been in Mexico City for probably five or six years. And, uh, and the last time I was in Mexico City, I was in and out for a speech, so did not really get to explore the city. Uh, I will tell you this. Uh, there's 30 million people in Mexico City, And to me, I I can't even begin to understand how they provide water and electricity and sewage for 30 million people. I mean, that in itself is a vast undertaking. Um, Mexico City, uh, in fact, the city is so big that there are there's not like a downtown. There are like three or four. Huge downtowns with skyscrapers and hotels and business centers, etc. And so I really had a couple of days to get into the Zona Rosa in the Centro Historico uh, and the Santa Fe area. Uh, I, I will share these observations with you. Number one, it's very, very clean. Uh, it's cleaner than almost any American city will visit. Uh, you don't see scraps of paper and garbage lying in the streets. It just it does not exist. Um, so it's very clean. There is lots of building going on, uh, cranes dotting the skies wherever you can see, and there's loads and loads of growth. And of course, uh, in the United States, people have this idea that everybody from Mexico uh, wants to do nothing more than get to the border and jump over a wall and uh, and live in the United States, and that's just not true. So I I did a little bit of digging, and uh, you know, because very seldom do we get. The complete and accurate story. And, and we make decisions based on uh, not enough information. So let me ask you this question. Um, what percentage of people in Mexico uh, do you think are in the middle class? You know,
1: I'm just going to go to the old 80-20 principle. No, 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 no. There's okay. not 80.
0: No, no, no. Uh, no. There are, uh, no, in or Mexico. Uh, no, no. In Mexico. Okay. okay 50-50. I, Uh, Okay. Okay. I don't know. Okay, I have no idea. Closer. All right. Well, I think most people would be surprised to learn that 47% of Mexicans are in the middle class. Now, let me ask you this question. Make a wild guess. What percentage of Americans do you think are in the middle class? I'm guessing it's going to be probably the same range. It's 52%. Yeah. So 47% of Mexicans are middle class and 52% of Americans are middle class. So not everybody is trying to scurry out of Mexico. Uh, In fact, uh, Mexico is the 11th largest purchasing power in the world. It's got 53 million workers. And the World Trade Organization calls Mexican workers the hardest working workers in the world. Now, the difference is there are big disparities between the North and the South and urban and rural. If you're in Mexico City, uh, you could just be in any other American or Canadian or European or Spanish city. I mean, it's it's an amazing experience. Uh, but, but they don't have the, the social welfare net that most other companies have. And so the poor tend to be very, very poor. And those are the people who are trying to find uh, hope for their families. And then the other thing I have to mention is uh, I was talking to the the owner of the speaking agency that booked this speech, and we were talking about Acapulco. And uh, he said, well, we will no longer book a speaker in Acapulco. And uh, no respectful company would even consider having a conference or convention in Acapulco. Acapulco is dead. It's a thing of the past. The narco-terrorists have won. And uh, cruise ships no longer call at Acapulco. And I'm not sure if you're aware that uh, I'm, I'm, maybe you've been there. Uh, I've had the opportunity to be in to the Yucatan Peninsula in Cancun four or five times. But it looks like uh, Cancun is going down the same road as Acapulco. It's oh, so, so sad. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, Cancun and the Yucatan means so much in tourism to Mexico every year. Uh, but who wants to visit when you can be out on a walk on a beach and find, you know, five decapitated heads lined up at the shoreline and or be a tourist caught in the crossfire. So that's not to say that Mexico doesn't have problems. Uh, the United States has got problems. Every country's got problems and uh, the whole issue of narco terrorism. So it'll be interesting to see what the new president does. But I would say um, thumbs up. I, uh, I I love my time. I love my work. I was with the uh, partners of KPMG from Mexico and Latin America. Very, very bright group of people. And so it was really cool. So now, um, you want to tease everybody about what we're going to talk about today? Cause this is information I've never revealed before. I know. And as we were, we were
1: chatting leading up to the podcast, um, I had to, you know, what you've never shared this information. So this year, as you went through all of your notes, you saw that you had done 734 telephone interviews with CEOs and executives, high level executives. And this happens as you lead into, you do at least 10 interviews, 12, per 12, for 12, yeah. 12, 12 for, 12 for each interviews speech. For each speech. And so at the end of the year, you have all this data that is yes. at your disposal. Um, and and you're going to take us through the findings that you see consistently yep. through those 700 plus
0: interviews. Yeah. So if I can paint a picture for everybody uh, when I'm having these uh, interviews, and it's not only CEOs and high-level executives and leading entrepreneurs, but it's also a lot of business owners, including small and medium-sized business owners. And so they're in the mix as well. And so about 10 years ago, Uh, I, I had that week between Christmas and New Year, which is always kind of a week where I'm still enjoying the holiday, I'm not on the road, and I get to be a little proactive about projects. So a decade ago, I thought, well, I wonder what I've heard this year. And this is right before the Great Recession hit. And uh, so what What I do when I make all of these calls, each one is an Outlook. And so I just have Outlook open. And in response to my questions, I'm silently typing in the background. So I've got notes on every single uh, uh, conversation that I have. And so one of the questions I ask everybody is once we're comfortable with one another, once I've learned about them, once I've learned about their business, I ask, what's keeping you awake at night these days about the business and about going forward? What, what are the challenges? What are the opportunities? What are the things that concern you? And so 10 years ago, I wanted to find out what commonality there was. And it was so insightful. Uh, I've just been doing it every year. And I've never even thought to do it in a podcast. I mean, because we've been at it for three or four years now. And I've never thought to put it in a podcast because I've always viewed it as my proprietary information, giving me some rare and unique insights. And I thought, well, why should I be so selfish with information? If I if I say I believe in transparency, let's be transparent and uh, let's release this to everybody because if, if the insights are good for me, they'll be good for somebody else as well. All right. So uh, you've distilled it
1: into a top 10. Yes, I did. And to the question, uh, what's keeping you awake at night about your business?
0: Yeah, and we're going to go backwards. So we're going to begin with number 10. And by the way, um, it's not that every one of these respondents only got to say, one thing or two things. Uh, several of them said, I'm concerned about this. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And so, so we're dealing with some, the numbers kind of got out of hand a little bit. Number 10, um, uh, 6% of, of people mentioned downward pressure on prices, the commoditization of everything. And, uh, that's down uh, from recent years. Um, but I, um, but it's still there. Uh, and, and we know the commoditization of everything is, is taking place. I mean, I, um, I, I, know my friends in small business would not like to hear this, but, uh, I just don't go to st- stores anymore or very, very seldom. And if I, if we need something for the house or if I want something, I just go right to Amazon. And, uh, I am, are you ever amazed at the low prices on Amazon? Oh, <clears throat> it's
1: uh, it's alarming how low the the prices are, and the price war, the
0: the price watching that's taking place in the marketplace. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. So, um, but this one did not get a lot of traction. Uh, it was number ten on the list. Uh, people concerned about the commoditization of everything. Uh, but I am constantly amazed that not only are prices tumbling on almost everything, but it's going to be delivered to your doorstep the same day or next day at the latest. Uh, uh, Pretty interesting. Number nine. uh, This was mentioned by 9% of respondents that I talked to over the past year that I interviewed. Being able to pay workers a living wage and benefits. And um, this is new on the list. Uh, I've never heard this one before. And so I, I think that's pretty significant. And when and when people are talking about a living wage and benefits, they're not talking about being able to pay someone a minimum wage. I think there's now an acknowledgement in the United States that probably a living wage is probably somewhere between 15 and uh, and $20 an hour. And if you've got a husband, a wife, or two people, uh, both doing that, uh, you can you can get by and have a modicum of existence. Um, but nine percent of all people said uh, so. So it's so it wasn't being able to pay workers their wage and benefits. It was how can I be able to pay workers a living wage and benefits? And uh, so that's the first time on the list this year. So I think it means that. Uh, you know, these uh, big minimum wage uh, laws have passed in Seattle, they passed in San Francisco, but I really see it taking off many other places in the United States as well. I, I think people are coming to a re- realization that if if you can only afford to pay your workers 6 or $7 an hour, you probably don't have a really good business model going forward. So that was number nine. Number eight, Mentioned by fourteen percent of all people, a uh, fear of a sharp market sell off and a recession. you have to remember this uh, Dale that this expansion this economic expansion we have has been going on for a long time, and uh, the United States has had like thirty five or forty recessions I, I once did a chart uh, showing all the recessions in the United States dating back from the founding of the country and it 's a huge number of recessions and with with almost predictability and certainty every six, seven, or eight years, the company or the country has a recession. So 14% of all people uh, brought up a fear of a, of a sharp market sell-off and a recession. And by the way, uh, I, maybe I need to make this clear too. I don't lead anybody. I, I just ask the question and then I wait so they can go in whatever direction they want to go. I don't ask them, are you fearful about the economy or what about this? I mean, it's just what keeps you awake at night? What are your concerns going forward? What do you see as possible hiccups down the road? And then I just shut up and listen. Uh, number seven, uh, 29% of all people, I hear this one a lot. How do I get my people to be more open to change? How do I get my people to be more open to change? It's a subject and topic that we've discussed uh, many times here on, on the Game Changers. Number six, and when we when I get through the list, we can talk about all of them, and you can ask any questions you want. Uh, number six, thirty-nine percent new on the list. This one has never been on the list before. How do I offer a better customer service experience? I I would suggest that that's because probably of an awareness. Uh, on the part of every business owner uh, that if you 're not going to be able to win on price, uh, the only thing that you have to differentiate yourself is the customer service experience and In recent weeks, I have talked to a number in fact uh, one of the groups i 'm going to be speaking with uh, this coming week in Richmond, Virginia, uh, I had a number of them tell me uh, look people is people 's a huge issue, and a number of them said, "You know I know." that I have people working for me who I should not have working for me. Uh, they're not in the game. They're they're not pulling their weight. But you know what? If I get rid of them, what am I going to do? Turn down work? I would like to be in a position to get rid of them. And so I, I, I think what they're really saying is offering a better customer service experience. Uh, number five on the list, 44% of all people talked about the need to build the right culture. I will tell you that uh, ten years ago, when I began this exercise, uh, culture was not on the list. And every year, it's gotten uh, bigger and bigger and bigger. People are really coming to understand the only asset you really have at the end of the day is your culture, and it's either the one that you want and you celebrate and you nurture and you work on and spend a lot of your time on it, or the other one that exists by itself is everybody out for themselves. Uh, number four. Um, glad I wrote two books on the subject. of all people said, look, it's being faster at getting everything done. When we launch something, it's got to be faster. With a customer, it's got to be faster. With decision-making, it's got to be faster. With resource allocation, it's got to be faster. I mean, how can we get faster at getting things done? We're just too damn slow. I hear this, well, I hear this uh, 56% of the time. 56% of all people I talk to uh, mention that. Number three, now, this one was a shocker to me, and let 's begin and uh, uh, and let me just set the stage. Uh, Dale and I have now done one hundred and seventy nine podcasts. We have never talked about politics. I simply don 't talk about politics. And when anybody wants to go there, I just deflect the conversation as best I am able. I, I have no interest uh, in, in talking politics. I mean, I talk politics with very close friends and family members, and sometimes that's even tough these days. Um, so nobody was being baited. Uh, nobody was being goaded. Nobody, there, there were no suggestions. But for the first time in the list, 64% of all people I talked to. These are CEOs, high-level executives, leading entrepreneurs, and business owners. 64% of all people mentioned the political uncertainty and the climate of the discourse in the United States today. What do you think about that one?
1: Sadly, it's not a surprise. And, and what really captures my attention is the climate. And uh, the yeah, would you say
0: it's that's uh, civility? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what they're saying. Civility is gone. Yeah. Civility is gone. That, that is huge to watch. I mean, that is a, that is a big concern. The political uncertainty and the climate of discourse in the United States. Uh, because recessions and depressions are not just numerical reporting uh, of a downtick in the gross domestic product for a two consecutive quarter period of time. It's also as much about a feeling of malaise uh, that overtakes the economy. And if 64% of these people talk about the political uncertainty and the climate of discourse in the United States, I mean, if they decided to step back and not play, I mean, the the country could be plunged into a huge recession or depression or or something worse or something that we don't know about. Number two, 78% of all people, talk about growth and uh, they need to grow they want to grow and growth is topmost on their mind and here we go drumroll please number 1 96% of all people of all respondents talk about people being finding keeping recruiting engaging the right people uh, the single most important thing, uh, top of mind for them. And I've, I've talked to a couple of small business owners. And when I say small business owners that I'm going to be speaking to in uh, Richmond, Virginia, uh, they're doing somewhere between $3 million a year and $60 million a year. And uh, so many of them told me, uh, when I'll, I'll ask a CEO or a business owner, what do you spend your time on? Take me through a typical day. And I've, I have so many people telling me, all I spend my time on are people. It's the only thing I'm spending my time on. So it. Uh, so in many respects, a lot of these are tied together. But uh, but finding, keeping, growing, engaging, and keeping the right people is certainly the big conundrum for most business people. So there, you've got the top ten list. What do you it's make out of it? Interesting.
1: Well, I'm, I'm thinking I'm. I love to connect dots. So five items on your list deal with people. Number nine, yeah. being able to pay a living wage. Yep. Uh, Number seven, my people are being more, need to be more open to change. Number six, offering a better customer service experience. You mentioned people aspect of that because who delivers customer service? It's the employees. Yep. Uh, culture is all about people at number five. And then number one, People And obviously people are involved in, you could make an argument that people are involved in every one of the list, but specifically
0: people come up in those five of the 10. Yep. Yep. And I will tell you that, that as recently as 10 or 15 years ago, uh, that was not the case. That simply yeah. wasn't the case. So, so I, I guess the good news is that there's a growing acknowledgement, a growing enlightenment, enlightenment that um, I, I think you've heard me say a couple of times uh, on the podcast before um, that uh, I once wanted to write a book on it, and, and that was fleeting because I got busy with another book. But the book would be Only the Soft Stuff Counts. Uh, it's, it's not about plants. It's not f- about facilities. It's, it, it's not about, uh, having your items trademarked or copyrighted or having them patented. At the end of the day, the only thing that counts in business anymore, um, are the soft skills the soft skills, which relate directly to people. And then one other thing, did I happen to mention to you something I heard somebody talk about at a conference that I was doing a couple of months ago, and she said, uh, HRM is dead human resource management is dead. And she's one of the leading expert, experts in human resources of the United States. HRM is dead. In a couple of years, it's all going to be taken care of by artificial intelligence. I mean, compliance and interviewing and checking resumes, she said it's all bunk. She said it's all BS. It's all going to be automated. She said it's HRD, human resource development. People who understand what human, the importance of human resource development. And so I've, I've been saying for a number of years that I think the next wave of CEOs we will see, uh, the CEO suite has never really been open to people who came through HR. It was either people who came through finance, people who came through marketing, people who came through sales. I think that we're the next wave of CEOs we're going to see are people who have really nailed the people thing. Mm-hmm. So.
1: So what, how does this change? What you, or does it change? Does it change anything about the way you approach 2019 when you think about the stage and the message you're going to deliver?
0: Um. Well, sure. I mean, it, it certainly provides me a lot more affirmation. Uh, that's what this annual study has always done. I mean, what's on people's minds. Uh, I think I will be sharper, I think I will be clearer, I think I will be more focused. And uh I, you know, I never want to be smug. I never want to be smug. I, I I got an email from uh no, I got a WhatsApp message from somebody uh a couple of months ago, and uh how he tracked me down on WhatsApp, I'm not sure. And uh, he said, uh I have just finished been a binge listening to every one of your podcasts. And he said, "I feel it 's like my doctorate in business. You know the answers for many of these things that we that identified themselves in this year 's survey I mean are addressed in all the podcasts
1: Absolutely. I mean, you can go through the list and i 'm linking podcast topics uh, in my head as we as we 've talked through it,
0: yep." So, um, so anyway, yeah, I, I think I'll be sharper. I think I'll be clearer. I'll think I'll, I'll be more focused. I, I think I will continue to speak with a lot of authority and I, and call out bullshit where I see bullshit and uh, tell people that that's not really something that you ought to be concerned about. And, you know, grab them by the nape of the neck a little bit, shake them hard, maybe open up the door of the blast furnace and hold her face close to their eyebrows, get singed. I mean, this is, this is eyebrow eyelash singeing stuff. I mean, Absolutely it really so. is. So three
1: of the 10 were brand new. You said you'd never seen them on the list before. They'd not come up consistently in conversations in the past. Yep. And that was being able to pay a living wage, offering a better customer experience and political uncertainty and
0: the climate of discourse. Uh, yep. Those three have never been on the list before. And typically and
1: I, when you see something new pop up on a list, it pops up, you know, it'd be closer in the eight, nine, 10 range. And, and only one was in that, that was the yes. wage, but you had 40 close to 40% wanting better customer experience and 60, almost 65% saying political uncertainty in the climate of discourse, which was yep. That's yep. significantly high on the list for a first time. Uh,
0: I, I think they're all significant. And, and the one that I think is, is pretty significantly, it was very significant uh, only being mentioned by 9% of all people, but being able to pay workers a living wage and benefits. I I, I really believe there's a growing acknowledgement uh, that people can't make it for six or seven bucks an hour or eight bucks an hour or nine bucks an hour or 10 bucks an hour. Nobody can live on that. I mean, nobody can live on that. And um, so I I think there's, so it'll be interesting to track this one in in future years too. I would say my big takeaway is um, business over the past 10 years I think I've seen it go from being almost entirely transactional to um, I would say that increasingly leaders are allowing their heads to meet their heart. I think that's a good, I think that's a good thing.
1: Fantastic. That is a good thing. Any final words for us? Any final thoughts?
0: Uh, Yeah. Did did you hear what was missing from the list? It's been on every list before. Competition is missing from the list. Hmm. When I ask people what keeps you awake at night, nobody says the competition. And before the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009, it was always near the top of the list. Always near the top of the list. And I remember... As we were, we had been in the Great Recession, there were still not a lot of signs that we were coming out of it. I'll never forget the conversation I had. Uh, The guy was in Des Moines, Iowa. He had a mid-sized software company with 80 to 100 people. And uh, as I was asking him, I said, what keeps you awake at night these days? And he said, me. And I said, excuse me. He said, you know, when this recession hit, He said a recession is also a damn state of mind and he said like everybody else I started worrying I wanted to run jump in bed pull the covers over my head until it was over And he said, you know, this has been dragging on now for about 16 or 18 months and i'm sick of it He said i've got a responsibility to the people who work here. I've got a responsibility to grow And he said i'm going out and starting to steal business. I'm going to take responsibility for my business again and I think that's why we're not hearing about competition anymore. Uh, I think it's because everybody has an understanding that it's up to them. Uh, and, and, and just talking about the competition is a lame old excuse of pointing your finger and wagging your finger someplace else.
1: I have a responsibility to make my tomorrow better than my today. And if I'm getting better each and every day, my customer is going to see it. Yep. Yep. That's the, that's the business prerogative.
0: Well, I, I, I hope you found this list helpful.
1: It was. It was very helpful, eye-opening, and it was fantastic. And I'm going to ask. I'm going to set a little calendar reminder to remind you that we need to do this each and every year.
0: Good. And uh, <laughs> yes, uh, we will do that. And I also think this gives us some uh, guidelines going forward on what people want to hear about. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's all so, about the
0: people. It's so, the people. Uh, so I'm glad I decided not to keep this information for myself this year, but decided to share it with everyone. So, uh, thank you. So go forth. Absolutely.
1: Now remind listeners, you can subscribe in the iTunes store so that you hear the latest episode of the Game Changers with Jason Jennings each and every week. Do it at jason-jennings.com slash iTunes. And you can also reach out and contact Jason directly via email jason at jason-jennings.com or you can find him on whatsapp you just learned jason at jason-jennings.com <laughs> and uh, i'm guessing you've probably taken a little bit of time to catch up on the email you're responding within 20 I'm,
0: 48 yeah, hours uh i'm pretty good I, I i would say that uh uh the last couple of months with all the travel i probably was uh i don't know three or four days late but i mean i'm i'm really trying to on top of stuff
1: Fantastic. All right. Thank you. You have a great week. Travel safe this week. Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today is called one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. Learn how your group or company can have Jason keynote your next event. Visit the website, jason-jennings.com. This is the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential.